Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits who are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. You can learn more right now at parkpower.ca. It was a dark and stormy night. No, it is a dark and stormy night. Right. Yes. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) If you hear some booming in the background, uh, on the evening that we are recording this particular episode, there's a thunderstorm rolling through. Like a mighty powerful one. Yeah. Uh, Like house-shaking thunder. Yeah, like thunder so, so hard I could feel it. It was impressive. Yeah. Uh, the worst of it seems to have passed by, but just in case, you hear some rolling thunder in the background this episode. It did fire up again. I thought it was over, but I guess not. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Last episode, we were talking about the heat wave we were in the middle of. Things have started to cool back down a little bit, too. So this is the inevitable thunderstorm that uh, follows yeah. a heat wave. Yeah. But uh, also means that we've had some cooler temperatures. Not cold temperatures, but cooler temperatures over the last Pleasantly few days. Pleasantly cooler temperatures. Yeah. So a little more comfortable down here in the... Luxurious game room studio. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more comfortable. I like it. Shall we discuss book? Sure. Let's talk book. All right. Chapter 22 of our novel took us to the beach. Yeah, but not in the fun way. And also not immediately. No. Uh, Beth has an opportunity to speak briefly with Flora and starts to poke a few holes in the story that she was related to the chapter prior. Yes. This ultimately has Flora kind of storm out of the room and leave a bit of a trail of breadcrumbs for Beth to follow to take her to the beach. Because <laughs> then we'd be at the beach. And that is where Flora gave her a little bit more of a heart-to-heart, clarified some of the things that maybe didn't quite make sense. It was like an extra confession. A confession on top of a confession. Right? It's like, I was sort of lying to you before. The following things were true. These are some other things that we were lying about again. I'm going to go now. And <laughs> that's that's how it went. Yeah. And she disappeared down the beach before Beth was able to follow. And that leads us into chapter 23 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So Beth straight runs back to her room and calls Dom. Yes. Um, Flora had made a comment while they were talking on the beach about how Beth has her own family to worry about and should maybe not be so worried about hers. And it made Beth realize that she was so focused on meeting with Lewis and then Flora today, she hasn't actually spoken to her family all day. Well, and I kind of wonder if that wasn't a vague threat from Flora, um, even though I don't think Beth took it that way. Actually, I, I do think Beth took it that way a little bit, and that's why she immediately felt the need to call them and, and Make check sure in they're with okay. them. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe it, maybe it was not so thinly veiled as I thought. But uh, she does call and gets a hold of Dom and 
Dom initially is like, oh my god, what's wrong? And she's like, no, no. Nothing, I miss you. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, so Dom asks her for an update. How, how have things gone? What's going on down there in Florida? Ugh. Uh, Beth says she did get a story from Lewis and Flora, and she kind of admits to Dom she is inclined to believe it. But she's not sure it's the whole story, and she's not sure it's the real issue. Which actually makes sense. Yeah. Kind of sums it up nicely without her giving off any details. Yeah. Because that would take a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, there's... This is an expensive call. There is... (laughs) Let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. She does tell Dom that she's kind of hit upon the idea now that Kevin Cater and Yanina are harming Thomas and Emily 2.0. And Lewis and Flora want to keep her off the trail of that fact. Even she can see the immediate gaping hole in this story, which is why would Lewis and Flora be protecting two people who are abusing their younger children? Right. She hasn't been able to quite piece that together. Well, and why would Kevin Cater, why would two people, Kevin and Yanina, you're right, be harming children in the presence of Flora? Because she's there. Yeah. Most of the time. Presumably. Right? Uh, Beth asks to talk to the kids, but Dom mentions that they're both out. And then he casually drops that Lou Monday had called and may try to call her cell phone. And Beth is like, I have to go now. (laughs) Oh, that's great, honey. Okay, bye. And uh, quickly hangs up in the hopes that Lou Monday might call her shortly. She notes that Lou Monday had not called yet. And decides to be proactive at this point. Rather than waiting for her to call, she just calls her. Because she had, her, she had her number in her cell phone. And she's super impatient. Yeah. Beth is like that. Source of information? Get it now. Now, now, now. Lou Monday explains that a woman putting on a Jeanette Cater voice had called the school that day. Uh, and they both immediately are like, it was totally Yanina. Like, even Lou Monday's like, yeah, no, it was totally uh, yeah. Yanina. The woman, so fake sounding. Yeah, the woman said Thomas would not be returning to school that year, and Emily would no longer be starting there in September, despite the fact that arrangements had already been made, apparently. Mm -hmm. And Beth goes into a full panic here, because she assumes, possibly correctly, that something dire has happened or is happening to Thomas and Emily the Younger, because she has snooped and pushed too far into what's going on. Mm -hmm. And somehow, because of her nosiness, these children are now in extra danger. Or at least are being perhaps moved out of her reach. Yes. Lou Monday says the explanation she got was that the Caters have decided to move to America sometime in the summer. But both Beth and Lou Monday agree that it's kind of weird that they're pulling Thomas out of the school in the middle of the school year. Yeah. If he's moving in the summer, why not let him finish school? Why pull him out now? Right. It seems a little off. Agreed. Very abrupt. Lou Monday goes on to say, well, it's not so easy to just pull your kids out of our glorious private school. You actually, there's there's paperwork that has to be done. There's hoops that need to be jumped through. And she told Yanina that they needed to talk to the head teacher to you know, work out things like cancellation fees and such. Right. Final payments, all that sort of business. Yanina was like, yeah, sure, no problem, and hung up. And then, like, moments later, Kevin Cater called. As though talking to him would somehow clear things up and make things move faster. Lou Monday thought at the time that he might quibble over the final payments to the school, because the caters have always been apparently in that group of parents who always waited to the last minute to pay. Yeah. Until the school was actually, like, haranguing them, hey, we need your payment now, Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to educate your child at our fancy private facility. Right. She passed it up the administrative chain 
to warn them that he'd called and that he'd probably be in contact with them shortly. And the bursar actually let slip that it's weird that they quibble over money so much because they're not even paying for the school. And Lumonde was like, excuse me? Jankies! Yeah. Okay, big mystery aside, small side mystery, why are they quibbling over money if they're not the ones footing the bill? This is me shrugging. What is... What is the point of that? I think it's pretty clear that Kevin Cater and Yanina are not rolling in it the way that the braids are. No. If anything, I think we've hit upon the idea that they might be employees of the braids. Maybe. I don't even know. But hard to say. We'll Certainly get there. of Lewis Braid. We'll, we'll get to there. We'll get there. So Lou Monday says it's not completely out of the ordinary for someone else to be paying for child school at their fancy private school. Right. Grandparents paying for it, a rich uncle, something like that. Yeah. That's not unheard of. It's It's not necessarily common, but it's... It happens. Yeah. Um, and so the bursar never really put much thought into the fact that the caters weren't paying. But when Lou Monday actually inquired, the bursar was like, oh, yeah, it comes out of an account in Florida under the name of Lewis Braid. And let's pause that chapter. <laughs> End of call with Lou Monday, right? Yeah. Like, that is kind of our mini cliffhanger. It's our mid-chapter cliffhanger. Because yeah. we then kind of cut to perhaps just a few minutes later. Beth is sitting in her her hotel room trying to kind of collect her thoughts over everything that she's learned over the last couple hours. She can't quite resolve why Lewis would be paying for impossible Thomas and Emily's schooling because it doesn't line up exactly with pretty much everything else she's learned so far. It's true. She decides that maybe she needs to shift her focus a little bit on to Kevin and Yanina, reasoning hmm. that so far she's been so laser focused on Lewis and Flora that she's kind of lost sight of two other people who are clearly thick as thieves with them and whatever's going on. Yeah. Well, really, the whole rest of this chapter is Beth finally getting a chance to sit down and process everything that she's taken in the last little while, right? And try to piece it together. So here we go. Let's follow Beth's brain. The first thing she wonders is, what is Yanina doing at the house at Whittier Lane? <laughs> what is Yanina doing there? The more she thinks about it, the more she's like, she doesn't act like a nanny. Like, the cover story is that she's the nanny. And no one's going to question that because she's like the vaguely foreign immigrant who's working as a menial in the house, in, in a rich fancy pants house. Nobody's going to question that she is the nanny. Yeah. That she's a live-in nanny. But in the interaction that she had with Yanina in the car park and at the house, in the way she was treating Thomas, she's like, she's not the nanny. There's something else going on. She's not, she's not acting like a nanny. Yeah. These are not the duties of a nanny. She also hits upon something else we recently discussed, I, I believe as perhaps recently as last episode, which is that Kevin lied so smoothly about everything when she and Dom visited the house. Yep. He did so in a way that was informed. Like it was not someone who's uninterested and out of the loop, like Flora described him as. Mm -hmm. He is clearly aware of everything that's going on. She also kind of wonders after the decision to have Yanina pretend to be Jeanette Cater, because following up on the original kind of thread about what is Yanina's real job, she's not the nanny, it would have been easier for her to pretend to be the nanny. Yes. Like, if anything, that might have thrown Dom and Beth more. Right. Which makes her think that maybe they really did think that that would throw off Beth. I guess, like, Beth needed some kind of extra special lie somehow. Like, a simple, realistic one would have done. But, but they went all in on this somewhat more flamboyant lie, and it actually unraveled more for her yeah. because of it. This ultimately, however, leads Beth to the conclusion that there is a weak link in this conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And that weak link is Flora. 
The reason Yanina had to be pretending to be Jeanette Cater is because they trusted Yanina to lie in a way that they couldn't trust Flora to lie. Right. So basically, everyone is lying to Beth all of the time. Yes. But Flora perhaps not able to lie quite as well as the other three, which is why she was ultimately recalled to Florida as well. Beth reasons that Lewis wanted her close by because that way she wasn't singled out in a way that would give Beth an opportunity to get information out of her. And it also meant that Lewis was there to reinforce her. Yes, but then why leave Flora alone with Beth? Who knows? Hard to say. Also, this means that Beth is once again zeroing in on Lewis Braid being the mastermind behind everything. Honestly, at this point, I don't know. All this worked out. Beth still has no idea what the real mystery even is. (laughs) She knows that there's a bunch of suspicious stuff going on, and it's designed to keep her away from learning something. But she still doesn't know what that something is. Correct. Beth comes back to the idea that someone might be in prison. It's, uh, it's an idea that she had floated around a couple chapters ago. And she recognizes there must be a crime involved in this somewhere. A crime terrible enough that all of the other stuff that has been confessed to her is small potatoes in comparison. Yeah, that there needs to be some sort of elaborate, tangled web of lies to keep it from her. Well, and a web of lies that includes, hey, we accidentally killed a baby, and hey, we lied to the police about it, and also, I was stalking a woman. And that, and that, by the way, is all hunky-dory compared to what really happened. Right? That's the cover story of innocence. Indeed. Quote-unquote innocence. And that's when Beth has an epiphany. It dawns on her no one is in prison for anything, and that clicks something into place for her. Some puzzle piece finally fits in a way that it wasn't before. It also makes her realize that she had perhaps jumped to a conclusion earlier in the book that had maybe led her down the wrong rabbit hole and kept her off the trail of what might really be going on. Naturally, Beth and our author does not bother to explain anything to us at all. Not even a little bit. Nope. Entirely in the dark. Instead, Beth immediately calls Lou Monday back and asks for the cell phone number the school has on file for Jeanette Cater because she needs to talk to Flora immediately, in person, ideally, alone, and she thinks that she's going to be able to get some answers out of her. Beth has recognized that Flora's the weak link in this conspiracy, possibly because she's being coerced, possibly because she doesn't want to be part of it, but also because she's just easily influenced. Well, it... It seems to me that Beth is convinced that Flora is being coerced. That's certainly her feeling. Yes. I, now, I don't know if it's true. I don't have any outside story supporting that. But it seems clear that Beth's feelings on it are that Flora is not in control. Yeah. Beth, as usual, cannot believe that Flora is necessarily a willing participant in everything that's going on and that... Louis, Yanina, and Kevin, who all are easily able to bully her into doing whatever they want, are the ones pulling the strings. And the side effect of Flora being easily influenced like that is that another forceful personality like Beth's is probably also going to be able to bully her into doing what she wants. In this case, just telling her everything. Well, cross her fingers, that's what she's hoping for. Yeah. Um, Lou Monday says, yeah, I can look into that for you. And you clearly think this is important, so I will go and do it immediately. And, I mean, Lou Monday's 
so far been kind of on Beth's side on everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I also am suspicious something's going on in that family. You've been looking into this. If you think this is important, I trust you, and I will get you that information. Yeah. Then, but it takes her some time to do it. And Beth frets for, like, three or four paragraphs. Yeah, she <laughs> nearly goes out of her mind, trying and failing to be patient for Lou yeah. Monday. But the good news is, Lou Monday phones her back relatively quickly. With the number considered. that they have on file. Yeah, with the number for Jeanette Cater. So now, my question for the end of this chapter is, when she phones that number... Is Yanina the one picking it up? That's what I mean. Is she going to get Flora, or is she going to get Yanina? I actually also had that thought. Who's going to answer the phone? And if it's not Flora who answers the phone, that might present a complication. You think? What does she do? Go back and confront Lewis again? Who knows? I guess we'll have to wait and see, because that's the end of the chapter. That's where it stops. And next up is chapter... 24. So the big question in this chapter is, what was Beth's epiphany? Right. My concern is it hinges on information we are not yet privy to, possibly related to whatever Beth had looked up on Google chapters ago, but has not actually told us yet either. Possibly. And that's rather frustrating Mm -hmm. because I like to be able to try to piece together what our characters are thinking. You're not going to get that from this book. Clearly not. (laughs) We haven't gotten it for the whole rest of the book. Why start now? What we can say, well, Beth is one to jump to conclusions and uh, make assumptions based on scant or no evidence. Well, no, I think maybe she's figured it out. Some of her theory must be based on facts, is where I was going with that, yeah. yes. We can parse out what some of those facts might be, at the very least. So I put together a, a short little list of firm facts that we know for sure, which may be clues. And these are things that we know for sure that have been corroborated yeah, and that uh, we can we can count on as not necessarily being lies. Things things that have been somewhat fact checked. Yeah. So there's there are things that Beth has been told that are not included on this list. OK. So we know that Lewis, Flora, Kevin and Yanina must all be co-equal partners in whatever conspiracy is at work. OK. What was that corroborated by? The fact that they're all lying about the same thing. Okay. Uh, we know that Lewis and Flora used to work with Kevin. Yes. Before Lewis came into his money and they moved to Florida. Yeah, we found that out early on. Lewis and Flora are both computer scientists by training. Don't know if it's pertinent, but could be. Okay. Just putting it in there. That is a fact about them. Lewis got rich through an inheritance from his grandfather. Right. Also, don't know if it's pertinent. Maybe. Could be. It is a fact about the character. Whatever conspiracy is at work, we're fairly sure it started before Georgina was born. Well, see, that, to me, leans more on Beth's suspicion about things. Beth, admittedly, suspects it because she believes Flora would have confided in her about the pregnancy. So she believes that it can't just revolve around Georgina's death. Now, yeah, some of that's speculation, but we can say for sure Flora started acting weird prior to Georgina's death. That makes sense. Whatever's being covered up is worse than the story of Georgina's accidental death and the fact that they misled the, the authorities over it. It also has to be worse than Lewis stalking Tilly because these are cover stories. And no one would come up with a cover story worse than the actual secret. Right. Lewis was still lurking around Whittia Lane after he had moved to Florida. Right. Because he was caught. Well, also he fathered two children. Yes. Which would be a point that I was going to get to a little while down the road. All four kids, both Thomases, both Emilys, are Lewis Braid's children. But only the elder two are living with him in Florida. The other two are living with Flora, Kevin, and Yanina 
at the old house at Whittier Lane possibly being mistreated. That is speculation. We don't know that for sure. Right. Lewis and Flora cut all ties to friends and family after Georgina died, even if they had been pulling away prior to her birth, after her death. Absolutely. Circle slash friends and family. Right. Lewis got angry at Flora for breastfeeding Georgina in front of the Leesons during their final visit, which was oddly out of character. Yes. Something Beth distinctly remembers. So that, again, don't know how it might fit in, could be pertinent, pointing it out. Lewis is paying for the younger kids' educations, despite the fact that he's not living with them. Right. Lewis and Flora regularly check in with each other, and Lewis records that conversation, which is why Beth heard over the phone previously, I'm very lucky in the background. Right. Something that Flora says in that telephone conversation, because we pieced that together. And because Beth has gotten too close to the truth, Yanina and Kevin are pulling the plug in the UK, whatever they've got going which on. Which has been just recently confirmed by Lou Monday. Yeah. This is a potentially pertinent fact that I'm embarrassed I did not look up earlier. In the first chapter, when Beth overhears Flora's half of the conversation that she has with Lewis, daily, apparently, um, she mentions Peterborough. Specifically, if we parse the conversation, as we did a couple chapters ago, mm -hmm. Lewis asks, where are you? And she says, home, I'm at home. He then says, where should you be? And she says, Peterborough. Peterborough. Yeah. And he asks, and what are you? And she says, lucky. I'm very lucky. What is Peterborough? Yeah. Why we should like, she be in Peterborough? Why should she be in Peterborough? Well, Peterborough is not just a town or city in the UK. It is also a prison. Yes. Her Majesty's prison, Peterborough, is a prison that has a, like, a closed prison. And I don't mean closed as in it's been shut down. I mean closed as in maximum security. The, the equivalent of it's, it's a North American maximum security prison. Yeah. For women. It is a women's prison. So what Lewis is saying to Flora is you should be in prison and you're very lucky that you're not. Now, I wonder if Beth or more specific, this. more specifically, he's having Flora affirm to him that she should that she <laughs> thinks she should be in prison. And she's very lucky that she's Absolutely. Not. So that, I think, ties into Beth's realization that nobody is in prison. But they should be? But maybe Flora, at the very least, thinks she should be. And I wonder if that's what she Googled. Maybe. Just to confirm if there was a prison in Peterborough. Maybe. There is. You can Google it. It's, yeah, it's a place. You, you did. I did. And yes. Here we are. So, But we don't know for sure if that's actually what Beth looked up. Yeah, the problem is we don't know what Beth knows. Not exactly. We know what Beth thinks about a lot of things, but Beth hasn't thought this one for us to read, so we don't know. Previously, Flora had mentioned that she'd rather be dead than in prison. That was something you kind of got hung up on. I really did. From a couple chapters ago. I can't help but wonder if maybe the threat of prison is what's keeping Flora under everyone's thumb in this situation maybe that she's not necessarily a willing participant in the conspiracy mm -hmm. that she's being coerced on the threat of prison mm -hmm. potentially because of the accident involving georgina and lewis being like well i could just turn you into the police anytime so you yeah. you have to do what i say that this is something that's being lorded over her to make her do something however that doesn't explain anything if it if anything it what? would it would only explain how flora might be influenced by three people who wish her ill 
It doesn't actually explain what happened, what they're covering up. Why, why they would wish her ill. Why they would wish her ill. Why there's the impossible kids. Unless you just buy Flora's explanation that they're replacement goldfish. Maybe. Which they might be, but who knows. I can only believe things as far as Beth believes things, right? Because we're doing everything through her eyes. And so far, I think that Beth is inclined to believe that part of the story. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about anything at this point. It's all just a big, confused, foggy mess in my head. Because... Even if you buy the story that Flora just wanted to start over, but she couldn't quite get over Lewis and the two of them fathered the other children, it doesn't explain why Kevin and Yanina would be okay with it and why they would be thick as thieves with Lewis over it. If they suspected that something was up, but hadn't been told that they were really Lewis's kids, they wouldn't be happily going along with Lewis's lies. No, no. They have to be in on what's going on because why else the, ch- the swapping of clothes? Why would why would they let Lewis be paying for the education? Well, I mean, why would Lewis want to pay for the education? And why would Lewis be covering for them if they were abusing two of his children? Right. And somewhere along the line, this actually did become about the welfare of the children. Yes. Remember, I remember a conversation we had earlier, chapters ago. I'm sure about how she was using the welfare of the kids as an excuse to keep investigating. Yeah. I think now it's it is truly about the welfare of these children. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere along the line that actually became the focus. And I I think that might be because somewhere along the line it became clear to her that the welfare of the children was in fact potentially endangered. Yeah. As opposed to what's going on, maybe the kids are in trouble. She's more convinced now that the kids are in trouble. Yeah. And she needs to find out what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that balance has tipped further one way. Well, we know she's going to see this through to the end now. Well, presumably. She's in too deep. She's in way too deep, and potentially that means that she or the children are in danger now. My my question over and over again is always, why? And my answer to it is always, huh, or maybe. Or, again, it's all the, uh, it's all just of the game. Maybe. See? My answer is always the same. Maybe. Could be. Haven't discounted it. There's going to be a massive everything clicking into place right at the very end. I'm sure of it. Well, again, we would hope so. Otherwise, this book would have been very frustrating and then unsatisfying as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have I'm gonna have a why counter at the end. The number of times I ask the question, why? At any rate, we'll have to wait and see if we learn anything at all uh, next chapter. So far, we've learned very little. Oh, fingers crossed. I uh, like learning new things. I know. I At this juncture, I know I've said every chapter of this book, maybe we'll learn something new next chapter, and we then do, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Doesn't help at all. Uh, so hopefully, maybe, I'm going to go so far as to say maybe we don't learn something new next chapter. Maybe something just makes sense next chapter. That would be a nice change. <laughs> um, so you'll want to read up on chapter 24 in time for next week. And in the meantime, there are other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network that are worth checking out. And uh, one of them is kind of about uh, catching up on all that pop culture that you might have just missed out on. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Brienne. And together we make Emily Missed Out, a podcast where Emily and I dig into the long list of films that Emily hasn't seen. It's a very long list. Totally long list. 
and help her catch up on all of the pop-culturally relevant lines, characters, scenes, and tropes that she may have missed out on. We're also a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. You can find us online at albertapodcastnetwork.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Join us for my pop culture education. Yeah. Yeah, Emily missed out because Emily catches up on pop culture she missed over X number of years is too long a title. Yes, <laughs> it is. You want to keep the title snappy and succinct. It, absolutely. You can also check out many other member podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. They're all generously hosted there. And if you find one you like, look it up on the podcatcher of your choice. You'll yeah, well, probably find it. Absolutely. While you're there, maybe give us a rating and a review. Yeah, because you like us, right? Hopefully. You want to tell us how we're doing, right? Uh, if you want to drop us a direct line and tell us how we're doing, you can do so on any number of social media. Sites. Oh, yes. The standards. You've heard me prattle them off before. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along. We also have an email address if you would like more characters. It is TheReadAlong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. For answers? Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Mm-hmm.